Welcome into the Galloway Podcast. This is episode 14. I'm your host, William Galloway, and joining me today is one of my good friends and fellow Alabama sophomore, not for long, we're not sophomores for long, John yeah, Isaac not. Stafford, hailing from the booming metropolis of Columbus, <laughs> Mississippi. The greatest city on earth? Maybe. Friendly city, I guess we'll the, call the it. The greatest, friendliest city? Yeah, maybe. we'll go with that. We'll go with that. John Isaac, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How about you, Galloway? Uh, it's The sun is out. There's no clouds in the sky. Cars are cars are loudly driving by and having a nice podcast recording on the porch. <laughs> and right on time, there's yep. the train, ladies and gentlemen, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. This this train is gonna be our background noise for a little bit, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of soothing. You'll you'll get used to it though. <laughs> it's it's been featured on many podcasts before uh, while recording at my apartment. So the train is just something we will deal with, um, but. This is episode 14. You can follow me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. You can follow John Isaac. What's your Twitter handle? At J.I. Stafford 18. At J.I. Stafford 18 for the best opinions and takes and pardon my take commentary. That's um, true. That's true. You can definitely follow John Isaac. Um, yeah, so we are sophomores, and that's almost up. We have less than a week left of sophomore year, which is wild. Yeah, it went by so fast. It was, yeah, just crazy. How but it, went by. it was a good time. Oh, it was and a great time. Summer's going to be great. In the fall, we're going to kick some tail in football, and so that's always a good thing. Um, speaking of kicking tail in football, we're here to talk about sports and other things today. We've got a lot to talk about, so thank you for listening. Um, we're going to we're gonna go through. We have some Twitter questions. We have some questions in general. We're going to break down the Masters and talk about Tiger's win. Um, also, uh, the inaugural Galloway podcast poll of the week. Uh, discussing Lightning McQueen, you're going to want to stick around for that one. That was that was a, a big, you know, hundreds of thousands of people participated in that poll, so you're going to want to hear the results there. Um, talking about Darren Ravel, that's always a hot topic. Yeah, just loser. <laughs> that's that's what we got. That's what we think about him over here. Just um, just a tweet. Joe Oliva stepping down as LSU AD and some Alabama athletics updates. So we will get to all of those, but we're going to start. With some of the Twitter questions, uh, first question coming from Rob Grady. What do you think is the order of quarterbacks in line behind Tua? Well, I'm guessing with Jalen gone, I'm thinking Mac Jones will probably be the backup, wouldn't you, just because he yeah. has the experience. Yeah, and, and I, Saban, Saban loves to credit seniority. Oh, yeah. Um, seniority, that's the word. Yeah. Yeah, seniority. And I don't know, I guess behind him we'll see Tua's little brother, um, Heard really great things from him. Um, yeah. What? Well, who else do you think? I think I agree. I think you'll see Mac Jones because of uh, Saban. Like I said, likes to kind of give credit to the older guys and the guys that have been there longer. Now that doesn't always mean the guys that are, you know, the better players. But um, I think in the long run, Talia will end up being better than Mac Jones. But I think you'll see Tua, um, Mac Jones. And a very close behind Mac, you'll see um, Talia. So Tua, Mac Jones, Talia, and then Paul Tyson. Um, and then, of course, you've got walk-on Braxton Barker as well, redshirt freshman from Spain Park High School. So, Yeah, it'll, be, it'll just be interesting. Hopefully Tua will stay healthy and we only have to use Mac when we want to. And it'll just be 
I hope they both grow this year, everybody. Everybody's going to develop. Um, I mean, with the new coaching staff and Saban does a great job, Coach Saban does a great job getting in the right people to develop those quarterbacks. And they've had, especially Tua, this being his third spring at Alabama, um, he's completed two seasons. But going into his junior year, he's had so many different voices give him uh, different pieces of advice and he said in a press conference earlier this year that he likes to see that as a good thing because he gets knowledge from different people. And it's not, you know, one thing someone says doesn't contrast what another coach says, but it's he gets pieces of advice from different people. And so, you know, like you said, I think we'll just see two. I hope we don't see Mac Jones run another fake punt like we did in the <laughs> National Championship. Oh, God. That was maybe the worst play I've ever seen in the yeah, game of football. It's still baffling. That's almost as bad as the uh, the Colts when they were uh, fourth down conversion. I yes. forgot how many years ago where <laughs> it was just a quarterback and then a center against and the that, Patriots. So the Patriots decided, well, since there's one blocker, let's just put two defenders. <laughs> and that went just as well as you think it would. <laughs> typical, typical, typical. But, you know, uh, that was – that play was frustrating, but at that point in the game, we all kind of knew it was over. Um, but this question, yeah, I mean, Tua, Mac Jones, Talia, Paul Tyson, there's been a lot of controversy, not a controversy, discussion, I'd say, over Paul Tyson versus Talia. Of course, Paul Tyson is Bear Bryant's great-grandson. Um, all of his family has come to the University of Alabama, and Al- he's here now. Yeah, Alabama native. And then, yeah, I mean, it's just going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Knowing that we have two guys that are this good as our third and fourth stringers maybe is just really promising for the future anyway. Because Tyson could have gone to Kentucky and started at Kentucky his freshman year. Talia could have gone to LSU or different places. And I'm not saying just those schools. They had offers all around the SEC. But um, we have legitimate depth, one through four, and all four quarterbacks could start somewhere at an SEC school which I don't think Alabama's had at the quarterback position in a long time, yeah, and if it's, ever. And maybe the best problem to have as a football team is too many good quarterbacks. Right, and for years it's been who's going to be the quarterback. You know, do we want this guy or this guy? And now it's like we've got a Heisman front runner, and then we've got three SEC starting caliber quarterbacks behind him. So that's uh, going to be exciting. On to our next question. Um, this one on a little bit lighter note from Luke Ratliff. Who is your favorite wrestler, John Isaac? Well, uh, growing up I was really big into wrestling. And there are so many great wrestlers. There's, of course, the legendary. You have the Triple H's, the Shawn Michael Heartbreak Kids, uh, the Undertakers, the Canes, you know, Batista before he got into the acting side of it. But my personal favorites, let me tell you a little something about my uh, guy, Rashiki. Rashiki is, is a very large man. He is, uh, he's got, yeah, he's a very large man. But the thing that makes Rashiki so special was his finisher. And his finisher was called the Stinky Face. And <laughs> what was the Stinky Face? What he would do is he would put someone in a corner and then put his uh, butt up to their face and just jiggle it. And that was just, that was always a, a really funny thing to see as a child. So Rashiki will always be in my mind. Rashiki is one of the greats. Well, he's one of the greats, even though he maybe was there for like five years, but still all-time great. Um, one of my favorite wrestlers has to be Ric Flair. Oh, the uh, you know the God legend, mighty Ric Flair. I mean, woo! Well, what, a, what a guy! What a guy! What a guy! He's living he, the life now. He is living the life. He is. I think. I think we could say he's the goat. Arguably, right? arguably, arguably the goat. I mean, you got um, the Hulkster still. Hulk, you got the Undertaker. You got Stone Cold Stephen Austin. But uh, Luke, thank you for your question and. 
We look forward to next week's question. I'm sure that'll be a doozy from Luke Ratliff. Oh, yeah, it'll um, be great. At NBean25 on Twitter said, where is Trendon going to school? Memphis. Yeah, Memphis. <laughs> next question. Yeah. No, um, thank you for the question, and that's been a hot topic of discussion. I had Alabama fans, sorry, but he's not coming here. I think for him, Memphis just has – it's just – for every recruit, really, it's becoming more and more attractive as yeah. you have... Kind of like a destination school for yes. really good basketball players. Ex- it's being restored to its former glory. You have, may, if without injuries, a Hall of Fame basketball player as a head coach, Penny Hardaway, um, Memphis legend Penny Hardaway, an assistant in Mike Miller who just knows how to talk to players because they both had many years of NBA experience, you're going to want to go there. And... It's a trendy pick for many top recruits yeah. in the future. James Wiseman is going there. He's been recruiting Trendon for um, months, really. They played together on the same team, the Jordan Brand Classic and the All-American game. Uh, Saturday night, and they, was... they didn't dominate, but they played really well. I mean, it was high, high-scoring basketball. Oh, yeah. Their team won 132 to 125. Trendon had 18. I'm not sure how many Wiseman had, but Bucky McMillan was the coach of the oh, yeah. um, – it was white and black. He was the white team, and they won by seven. It was just a really cool event for those guys out in Vegas. But, yeah, I think you'll see them playing together next year. Um, Trenton went up and played a little showcase in Memphis a couple weekends ago. Of course, Alabama's been on his track since, like, sixth grade. But with a coaching turnover, I don't see him coming here. And also at that event in Memphis, he played with uh, Mississippi, a guy from Mississippi, DJ Jeffries, who's also yes. a very high, uh, high, highly touted recruit. And he is also committed to Memphis, and they also played on the same team. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's just getting – it's, you, it's all, coming. All the stars are kind of aligning yeah. for him to end up in Memphis. Um, now, he said he was pushing his commitment date back. It was supposed to be this past weekend on Saturday at the Jordan Brand Classic, but he said the game is not televised, so he's pushing it back to a later date. Um, again, today is Monday, April 22nd, and – he hasn't committed. Uh, should be early May, but I think he was kind of taking that TV, ex- not using it as an excuse, but kind of a way out saying, well, Will Wade's back at LSU. Indiana came and visited me in home. Um, I want to reevaluate real fast. And I don't think Alabama is part of that reevaluation, nor is Indiana. Thank that you is- to that motorcycle guy that interrupted my train of thought. But um, that, that was a chopper that he was riding. I'll yeah. tell you what, <laughs> well, guys. I, if y'all, if that y'all was get, a hog. Y'all go check out the Harley Davidson store and, <laughs> and <laughs> go, go get you a nice hog because that man <laughs> makes me want to go ride a two wheeler. Um, anyways, trending. I'll I'll tell you this. Duke is out of the picture. With is it Matthew Hurt that committed uh, the five star this weekend? Um, they, they picked up another five-star top ten player, so Duke's out of the picture. Indiana's been out of the picture since forever. I can tell you this. He's been doing – I feel like he's been doing Indiana a favor um, I, just because of his brother. You, yeah. Alabama's gone. You know, I don't, I, like I said, unfortunate timing with Nate Oates. LSU's back in the mix. Memphis is in the mix. But we say Trenton's going to Memphis. Um, I mean, what is your – what's your right now top of your head Galloway crystal ball prediction? Memphis. I, and I kind of want to go to a game next year. We should we should buy some tickets and go to the Forum and watch the Grizzlies one night and Memphis play the next night. That would be really fun. Oh, yeah. So we'll see about that. Uh, but thank you for your question. And the next one we have coming up uh, from James Urban, did Tiger Woods complete the greatest sports comeback of all time? And this is 
I don't know. It's kind of difficult to say because Tiger plays in an individual sport, and there are many great teams that have come back. But individually, you would have to say this, right? Absolutely. Yeah, there's no been no golf comeback like it before or tennis comeback or swimming. I mean, there were just so many. How many years was it in between the majors? He won his first one in 97. 97? Yeah. And then he won in 2019. So 22 years. Yeah, that is unbelievable that he went 22 years in between the span of his first and then, I guess, most recent major. It was he was with his dad and he hugged his dad. Of course, they're talking about that you know special moment they had there in '97, and now he's a dad, and his two children were there uh, with his mom. Of course, his dad died in 2006, I believe 2007. Uh, but around there, and he hadn't won the Masters um, since 2005, and so his dad was alive the last time he won the Masters, and uh, so that was just really special. But talking about a yeah, it was 2006. Talking about a uh, significant accomplishment. I mean, personally, yeah, he overcame so much to get to that point. He could he could barely, you know, complete 18 holes of golf just a handful of years ago, and he comes oh, back yeah. and wins the most prestigious tournament in the world. Yeah, and I don't think he's over yet this year. I, he I mean he plays the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. He historically has just torn out Pebble Beach, so he definitely has a chance there. Um, I don't know. I'd love to see him. I'd love to see him pass Jack, to be honest. I mean, yeah. just because he is our, our really generation's greatest of all time. And it's, I don't know, I just really like the guy. It's, it's you know, you can say what you want to about his off-the-course personality, but people have issues all off the athletic, um, you know, competition field or whatever. And you got you to gotta put that aside and you just got to admire what he's done as an athlete. To win in 97, to see all the struggle he's been through, like physically not being able to play the game of golf, and then coming back and winning, you've just got to appreciate that. And also, it was greatness. I will say something about him winning the Masters. He retook the lead um, on going into, it was 16, right? He took the lead on 15. And he has that that killer mentality oh, like you could just that tell. that mamba mentality and you could you could tell like you said he's not he wasn't dropping that lead he wasn't going to be denied he was he was comfortable he didn't feel any pressure in the lead um you could and just, it was it was greatness it was like watching greatness and i you have to appreciate that if you're a sports fan you could just tell by the way he was walking he just knew he he had this one if he just did what he had to do he had it he and he got he got that lead and there was no turning around so i think yeah it was it was the the greatest sports comeback of all time uh if not it was the greatest individual sports comeback of all time but top top three top five moments oh god um in golf history oh yeah but uh other upsets just or not really upsets but comebacks um you had the Leicester, or however you pronounce it. Sorry, I'm not a big soccer guy. That, Neither am uh, I. what? Neither am I. Oh yeah, that team that came back from almost getting kicked out of the Premier League, I think it is, and they had just unbelievable odds to win the championship, and just somehow they did it. That was pretty cool. Um, what else? There's some other good ones. Um, I mean, in, in more recent years, you think about you know what we've experienced. We saw the Warriors blow a three-one lead. The Cavs come back from that. That's but that's that was not, great. That was that great. Was, I mean, that was that was really cool to watch. But it was not nearly as significant as something like Tiger Woods because it's a team thing. Um, and although it did involve LeBron James and Steph Curry, there was some drama there. 
But uh, Stephen A. Smith kind of hyped that one up a little bit. That yeah. was cool, though. That was definitely cool. Also, side note, this can be up for debate later, but that series did make LeBron James the greatest basketball player of all time. I have a differing opinion, <laughs> and we will discuss that at a later date, as mentioned. Uh, we're talking with John Isaac Stafford, uh, the co-host on today's uh, Galloway podcast, episode 14. Again, John Isaac finished fourth in the SGA presidential election. Uh, if you don't know who he is, so he's kind of Alabama campus royalty around these parts in Tuscaloosa. God, Past nope, two years, nope. he's got two top five finishes in the SGA president. Uh, SGA presidential race and get this he's not in the machine guys so that is extremely significant so John Isaac I just want to commend you on that well thank you it's just crazy what one Instagram post can do when you misspell literally every word in it (laughs) (laughs) Galloway did uh, I made John Isaac a graphic last year it said vote vote Stafford for president I think I had like one F in your last name instead of two (laughs) <laughs> and I used president, like, I spelled it P-R-E-Z-I-D-E-N-T or something like that. Something whack. Um, and so to have royalty on the Galloway podcast on this episode 14 is, uh, is, is quite the privilege. Our next question comes from Tide Zone, asking us on our thoughts on the pickup of James Beadle Bolden. The point guard uh, will transfer from West Virginia, Press Virginia as they like to call it in college basketball, and play for Alabama next season. He is eligible immediately because he graduates um, from the Mountaineers in May, which is just a couple days away. But I like the pickup of Bolden. He's going to be a good addition for Alabama. Oh, yeah. I feel like he's going to be really a spark plug he's uh known as a three-point shooter a sniper if you will and he averaged last year he shot 50 or 45 percent from the three-point line so that's really really encouraging um i don't know i just feel like more you know more weapons the more weapons the better and he's going to be a really good one it's a great pickup from coach oates and it's going to be exciting yeah, so West Virginia finished 12-18 and 18, uh, this year, 4-13 and 13 in the Big 12, so not great. Um, he did uh, leave early from the team. Uh, he was removed from the roster. Uh, he hadn't played since January because he had a sprained ankle. <coughs> and then on March 7th, at the date of publication of this article, they were uh, – 12 and 18 they had gone 4 and 13 in conference play uh, but he had averaged 12.12 to 12.12 that's not a number <laughs> 12.2 points this past season uh, again he's graduating in May James Bolden a big pickup for Alabama anytime you can add a player especially at the point guard position help back up Kyra uh, and because he definitely will back up Kyra mm-hmm as a projected second-round pick, Kyra Lewis is definitely going to be our starting point guard. There's no question about that. It's a good pickup for Alabama. Um, and then moving on to our next question from Joshua on Twitter. He said, can you give a prediction on what the starting five looks like next year in hoops, and who do you think will be the biggest contributors and maybe a name that's not expected but could have a big year under Coach Oates? So a multi-part question here. Uh, let's start with your predicted starting five for Alabama next season. Well, it's kind of tough because with the new guys, haven't really seen them, but as we know for sure, Kier's going to be at the point. Coach Oates has just proclaimed his love for Kira and how he plays the game. That'd be really fun, and I really like Kira too. I think he's going to be a really good player. So you have Kira at the one. Um, this is kind of where it gets interesting because at some points, I feel like in this system, we could play small. And I don't really know who's going to be at the five spot, but I guess the 
he would be at the five would be Galen Smith, a Mississippi native yeah. shout out. Um, and then at the two guard, you got Petty. And then uh, Herb at the three. And then who do you think would be at the four? I guess Tevin. Or no, Tevin at the three. Wait, if, the four. I'll, we got to disclaimer this and say that we think Tevin Max coming back. He yeah. did He did enroll for the draft or put his name in for the draft. I think he'll be back. Um, Tevin maybe at the four, but he didn't start that much this season for Avery. But then again, it's a new coach, completely new program. Depends who fits the system better. Um, but I agree on all fronts there. I'd, the four is up in the air, probably Tevin, just because he could be better utilized under Coach Oates. Yeah. Uh, and then I think Raymond Hawkins, the freshman at the five. Um, I don't, again, haven't seen a whole lot on him, but what I have seen I really like and what I've heard I like too. He's just a thick boy, too. Yeah, he is. He's, he's, a, he's a big body. Yeah, he's, he's gonna a be, big sweater. Yeah, he's going to be banging around in the paint. But. He'll be, he'll be uh, needing to swap jerseys every game at halftime, that's for sure. Uh, big body season though. It's gonna be it's gonna be a power lineup for Alabama. Um, so the next kind of part of this question is who do you think will be the biggest contributor? Um, this is a three part question. Biggest contributor next year. Also, I want to note that for sure, every time he gets a rebound, he's gonna grunt. You know, when he brings it down, he's gonna go <laughs> like that. He's gonna be one of those guys, which yeah, I love. Yeah, yeah. Austin Wiley and all those big men at Auburn and all around the <laughs> SEC. You're not gonna to want to mess with Raymond Hawkins, that's for sure. Um, but in biggest contributor, biggest contributor, I'm gonna just go at probably Kira. Biggest. Yeah, I, it's it's hard to get to go against a five star point guard. I, I would say Trendon, but <laughs> we all know that's not happening. Yeah, but. This is, I guess, kind of going on to the next question, skipping through. A player that I know, I know, I think, or I think is going to grow the most and is going to have just, he's going to be the most improved, is going to be Herb Jones. Oh, absolutely. I think in this system, we're going to run, and Herb in transition, he, you can say what you want about his offensive woes last year, but Herb in transition has proved that he is a, uh, he can get it done at the rim. Uh, really good defender with this pressure defense. I don't know. I just think he's gonna he's gonna look really really good next yeah. year. People and are gonna be like, oh be, yeah, because he was Herb, never truly was developed. Yeah. He's he's been good. He's been great. I've seen him in high school and AAU, and none of these guys, these freshmen that came in, have gotten to be fully developed at Alabama because they were recruited as the players they were, and then they just kind of were stagnant for two years and just played in a system that really didn't fit their needs because there wasn't really a system. You talk about all these players being good in transition. Kyra's great in transition. He's the only guy that really did well in transition for Alabama last year. Herb Jones is going to thrive, though, because Alabama's going to play a, finally play a system and style of offense that fits the, the type guys that we have. Uh, Herb's going to benefit a lot, and I think he's going to have the biggest year, and I think a lot of people are expecting that. And – yeah, I agree. I can't wait to see Tevin Mack in this system as well because Coach Oates loves the three ball. He loves to go fast, three ball, and play some tight defense. And a roster, even especially the guys coming in, it just seems that they play at the points with Avery. It seems that playing in transition, playing fast, was where we were the best. And, hope, and they're just going to get more opportunities, and hopefully we'll do a lot better. I think we'll do a lot better, but we'll see. You know, we're that's 180-something-odd days away. Not quite sure the numbers there. We don't even know the schedule yet. <coughs> we know Alabama will be in the Bahamas, um, but we'll see what happens with Alabama basketball, as always. But a lot of expectations there. 
Um, we talked about Tiger briefly, but John Isaac, what is some of the analysis you have from the Masters? Because it's always the most prestigious tournament. It's incredible. We did a whole entire podcast on episode 13, um, just previewing it. But what did you see from Tiger? What did you see from the field? And kind of what stood out to you last week in Augusta? Um, well, Augusta is always... I mean, it's not an easy place to play. never is. It's the most challenging course in the world. It's yeah. got to be. But even with the scores they had, it seemed like the golfers were just everything was going their way. The field, usually got to root for the uh, root for the course. You know, you want it to be tough, gritty. A gritty course is always a good course, I yeah. like to say. But, I don't know, they just, it seemed like they played pretty easily through it. But Bricks in the sand pit and that just, water everywhere. Oh, yeah. Alligators uh, on the course. But... I was really, really impressed with Francisco Molinari. Even after he collapsed on, what was it, 15? Yeah. That Tiger came through. He just stayed calm, and he just, I don't know. I just really liked that guy for some reason. Yeah, he he, he had a good, he was a good sport. It's It cannot be easy to play with Tiger at any point, but it especially can be easy to play with Tiger when he's chasing you on Sunday at Augusta. Oh, and... Is I felt at some points I felt bad because I was cheering like against him. Yeah, yeah. But and, <laughs> and, 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 and every, if Tiger was in the tournament, you'd be like, I like this guy. I want Molinari to win. But it, you just because of Tiger, you yeah. pick the fan and favorite. The pressure of you know everybody at Augusta. You're ti- you're if you're not following Tiger on Sunday, then what are you doing? And all those people are all cheering for him. You know, like right. And you just feel it on your back in every swing you take. You just know that all eyes are on you, and all eyes that are on you are wanting you to fail. Which is just I don't and, know. And I don't I don't think that Molinari or anyone in the hunt wanted Tiger to win. But I think golf people around the world and people that didn't make the cut and people that were out of the chase to that were excuse me people that were out of the chase in Augusta were thinking, I want Tiger to win. Yeah. But as a professional golfer, you're trying to work on your game and be the best you can be, and so you don't, you know, I think you, people could appreciate Tiger winning for sure. I'll, I, I'll say that much. Um, but Tiger won the Masters. It was historic. It was legendary. And oh. the, I don't know, the funniest part to me, though, was at the end when Patrick Reed gave him his blazer. It was just the most awkward. Oh, that was so painful uh, also that oklahoma state guy um vlad somebody oh yeah i don't know he beat alabama last year in the national championship and so i was like wow that guy's a good amateur and then i remembered oh he beat alabama and like killed alabama in the national championship last year which doesn't take away from anything he did but that was just kind of a side note um so and as much as i hate to say it you gotta let Tiger wear a hat there. I mean, his hair was not looking. Oh up to, gosh, it was that not man, that up man to needs par. some Bosley. And up to par, that was a good point. Um, nice, but yeah, Golf you gotta ball. let you gotta let that guy wear a hat there. But I guess. Yeah, Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed gave him the jacket and, and then he just walked out. Didn't even shake his. He just walked out. Also, the chairman, like he did, he did a good job uh, giving him the speech and yeah. stuff. And Jim Nance was poised as always, but he's like, well, Patrick. Um, present tiger with a jacket or whatever and there's the train again and the dog's barking so we thank you for holding in on our uh, our background noise here but tiger 
was given the jacket. Patrick Reed just walked off literally around the back chair and just off the set. We're like, okay. I mean, what, see el- ya. what else do you expect from a guy that his favorite band in his pump up music is uh, Imagine Dragons? That's a fact. That's okay. You can look it up. <laughs> Don't hate on Imagine Dragons. <laughs> it's time is a straight bop by that band. Now, their performance at the college football playoff was subpar. I didn't actually watch it, but I'm sure it was just extremely average. Yeah, um, I also saw them in New Orleans at the Alabama Clemson game. Actually, not this past year, but the year before. In the semis? Yeah, in the semis. Okay, how was that? It was it was an Imagine Dragons concert. Yeah, I take mean, it take it as you will. They just really had a really big drum that they kept hitting. That was kind of annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it just had to. I mean. Um, Okay, so that's the Masters. And that was Talking Imagine Dragons. (laughs) And that's Talking Imagine Dragons. And trust me, it's about to get a whole lot more strange on the Galloway podcast. Um, Again, we're talking with John Isaac Stafford, co-host here on episode 14, SGA president, fourth place finisher uh, for 2018. Um, I think we'll get him next year. I think we can rage against the machine if we play that loud enough. On uh, on the quad, I think we can get people to God. campaign for you. <laughs> well, let's just—I mean, I'm gonna—I'm gonna keep running. We're gonna keep running. We're not gonna be denied, you know. Oh, yeah. Just um, as your associate campaign manager, I will not be denied. This train is really driving me crazy, by the way. And yeah. uh, okay, but it always does. Um, moving on to the much anticipated Twitter poll question of the week. This is the inaugural poll. Well, we've done a couple polls, but they haven't been anything like this. Um, so I put out a question last week and a half or so ago, and uh, I said it was a poll. I said, what does Lightning McQueen have? Option A was life insurance. Option B was car insurance. And uh, life insurance won by 70% or 70% to 30%. So what are your thoughts on what Lightning McQueen has, life insurance or car insurance? Well, the cars universe is one with – you know, it's kind of like the Game of Thrones. There's so many side plots. <laughs> How in the world is Cars like Game of Thrones? It's just, I don't know. But <laughs> I don't, I don't watch that but, show. By but, the way, I'm opposed to it. Uh, I think it's dumb. I'm just. I think, but I do think Lightning McQueen needs life insurance because when my man Chick Hicks is going to come up and leave him in the dust. He's going to need life insurance. He was, he was left out for dry there in, in movie one. I mean, he needed life insurance. Had he been left somewhere along Route 66 and not found Mater? I mean, had Mater not found him? Chick Hicks also has the greatest catchphrase of all time. <laughs> Kachiga. Kachiga. <laughs> and if you, if you Google Kachiga, Urban Dictionary defines it as the word to say when you're about to get that partnership with Dynaco and leave that clunker Lightning McQueen in the dust. <laughs> oh my god. So yeah, I think I think just just we need to put Chick Hicks instead of Lightning McQueen as the main character uh, of Cars. Yes, and Cars 4 whenever that comes out, it's going to be a it's going to be terrible and two, it's going to be just needing life insurance. Chick Hicks featuring Featuring Chick Hicks, uh, yeah, I'd say he needs life yeah, insurance. Yeah, I do think life insurance because, was because you're a car. Everything there's no humans in that movie. If there were humans, he would need car insurance. But he's an like the main. There's there's a big word to describe this. The main uh, life form in this alternate universe in the Cars universe universe is 
a car. But ha- hold on, let me ask you this: How do we know we're not living in that alternate? How do how do we know we're not the alternate universe? And there's like a cars universe out there somewhere else. Yeah, like I know you're smart enough to watch Rick and Morty, but I'm not, so I do not understand all of this. <laughs> okay. Well, that's our Twitter poll question of the week. We're going to have some more fascinating topic discussions um, in future episodes. But in the 379,000 votes, um, 70% of the people said life insurance and 30% said car insurance. So that is the Galloway Podcast poll of the week. And also uh, another topic, interesting discussion topic moving on to now, uh, biscuit comparisons. Hunter Johnson tweeted a poll the other day. Or no, he didn't tweet a poll. He tweeted an opinion, and it was the top biscuits in like that you can buy for breakfast. And it was comparing like Jack's biscuits, Hardy's biscuits, Chick Fil A, Bojangles, McDonald's, and McDonald's. So let's go. Let's go through. Is that four or five? That, that's something. I don't know. Let's rank the biscuits in order of um, just the, just how the best biscuits. And let's let's, let's include dog biscuits in there too. Because I think dog biscuits would go above one of those said biscuit yeah. for breakfast. But okay. So you, you go first. Okay. If we're talking top five best biscuits, fast food biscuits, right? Like yeah. chain. If, if I'm going to go get a biscuit tomorrow morning for breakfast. Okay. Number one, no doubt, undisputed champion, Jack's. Jack's has just the best biscuit. Yeah. You can get the chicken biscuit whenever you want, which is a plus. But any, anything else... Jack's top dog. Number two, thinking Bojangles. The Bowberry biscuit. Okay, those they're big and they come apart, which a lot of people don't like the biscuits that come apart, but I think they're fantastic. I mean, I would take I would take a punch in the gut for a Bowberry biscuit or a Bowberry biscuit. We're right about now. to put this podcast on pause and I'm about to punch John Isaac in the stomach. Yeah, it's I mean, Bojangles, number two, it's great. Number three, this is where it gets interesting. Okay. Wait, hold on. What's in the Bowberry biscuit, just for those who haven't? Okay, it's just like a biscuit with blueberry. It's like a blueberry biscuit. They butter it up, but they put like this. It's kind of like a icing on it, and Ooh. it just, it's the finishing touch. It's just unbelievable. Okay. That's a, that's a good touch. Yeah. Bowberry biscuit is great. Number <clears throat> three, I'm thinking Whataburger, and not because of the reason you think. The honey butter chicken biscuit is gas. It, it's gas, and it's it's actually, it hasn't grown on me. It grew on me earlier, but I've had an aversion to it lately. When you look at the biscuit and how it's actually literally straight out of the freezer, shoved with a chicken biscuit, shoved with a chicken finger that's cold, and because they start serving at 11 o'clock at night, and I'm not going to go there at 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to go there at, like, midnight and get a biscuit. Um, the biscuits are still, like, in the form of being frozen, and the chicken is like still being heated, and I know that that honey butter chicken or that honey butter sauce comes like out of a tube somewhere. So that's a little disturbing. So what we're not about to do is talk bad about the honey butter chicken biscuit, Galloway. I just did that. You're welcome. But no, the reason their sausage egg and cheese biscuit so good. I have to try it now. It, I, I think have it, to try it. It is unbelievable. Yeah, Whataburger three, and also. It's Whataburger. It's really good. Everything there is good. Shout out Whataburger. Um, Sponsorship, maybe, in the future. Sponsor, sponsor the pod. Um, and number four, I'm thinking McDonald's. Dude, because the variety there, I mean, I would even throw a McGriddle in. Would you throw in a McGriddle as a biscuit, kind of? No, if a McGriddle was a biscuit, McDonald's would be number one top dog. Yeah, that's true. 
You know, uh, I had my first McGriddle senior year of high school down here in Tuscaloosa at like three in the morning. And was it unbelievable? It was unbelievable. There we go. Now, I think I could have eaten pizza out of a box that I picked up off like Paul Bryant Drive or something, and it would have been good. But <laughs> I was starving. But that McGriddle was gas. Um, but yeah, their biscuits are good. I mean, you know, the, the McDonald's on 15th Street stopped serving Powerade last year? It's like the only thing I ever get to drink when I go to McDonald's. I go, yeah, because I'm not going to get like a large Diet Coke or something. Like, I don't need that. It, they're a Coke company. Why don't they serve Powerade? Yeah, that's super lame. Um, but, okay, okay, so McDonald's is what, three or four? Where four. are we? We're four. at four. Okay. Number five, Hardee's. Hardee's. Now, Hardee's overall quality of the, the skit is it's up there. Like, it's, it's probably in the two or three range. But if you go to Hardee's and get a biscuit with, like, a drink and hash browns, it's like $8. And you can go anywhere else and get this for, like, Four, like four, four or five yeah. dollars. But you're paying for the product. You're paying for quality. Yeah, but in being in college, I don't want to pay eight dollars for right, this. So we think you are further down on the list, Hardys. Um, we're gonna skip a couple hundred thousand spots and go down to forty-two thousand. Forty-two. No, I said a couple hundred thousand. So eight hundred thousand, six hundred ninety-one. I'm putting dog biscuits. We're just we're milk, skipping milk bone, milk bone. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, the probably the one before that, whatever number I said, because I already forgot. A Google. Uh, probably uh, or or like the Chewy, the you know the Chewy brand. Yeah. They kind of like where they have bacon flavored like strips and stuff. Bacon strips. Like yeah, bacon strips. Bacon, bacon, bacon. <laughs> <laughs> would would definitely be. And then uh, right below, no, right above that or below that, however you're inferring the number, the bottom tier biscuit available is. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A biscuit. And the reason why is if you take a bite just into the biscuit, it's like you're eating chalk. I mean, it's like so <laughs> dry. And But the chicken, I mean, I will say the chicken's good, but sometimes it's, I don't know, like kind of. It's quality, but you've got to get, you've got to get, you got to hit a home run in order for it to be a top five biscuit. Yeah, I mean, you got to load that bad boy up with whatever, I don't know if you put and jelly it's, it's on gotta, it. And it's got to be the right temperature. It's got to come out at the right time. Um, you cannot, it couldn't have had been sitting there. You've you've got to all the stars have got to align on your, and then and then you got to go to the pouring technique like pouring out the the honey or the jelly or whatever yeah. you want to put on the biscuit and everything has to line up and it has to be perfect, um, and you know at, I equate getting a good Chick Fil A biscuit to UMBC beating Virginia happens you know once in a lifetime. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm a little outspoken on that. I don't yeah, I don't you, I don't you, think that's fair. It's not bad. It's not I mean, a bad biscuit. But we're making a joke here that. Dog biscuits are better than Chick-fil-A biscuits if you're just joining the Galloway podcast. Um, on to uh, another topic of extreme controversy. Um, Twitter personality and uh, former ESPN employee Darren Ravel <laughs> tweeted uh, an interesting interesting tweet yesterday um, about the LSU gymnastics team. Did you see this yesterday? I did see it. Okay. Uh, if my computer loads, I'm going to pull it up. <laughs> and I'm getting the red, circly rainbow, spinny wheel of death, and it's just taking forever. So This is called good podcasting. This is good podcasting. This is quality content. We thank you for sticking with us here. Um, Darren Ravel, you can follow him at Darren Ravel. I or wouldn't. You, or, or you cannot follow him, depending on whatever uh, is your choice. Uh, here we are. Here we are. 
LSU Gymnastics said, thank you, Baton Rouge, and they put up a billboard sponsored by Lamar, the old America's billboard company, uh, that said, NCAA Gymnastics National Runner-Up LSU 2019 with a picture of all the girls on the team uh, next to the runner-up trophy at the gymnastics meet. And he said, no, you can't put up a billboard for coming in second. He got 308 retweets as of right now, 3.3 likes, and 1.4K <laughs> Responses. That ratio is definitely not what you want to. Angry, angry gymnastics Twitter people coming after him, and rightfully so, because this tweet is—he's wrong. He's just wrong. It's—it's—it's it's almost kind of insensitive saying that because gymnastics is so different than other sports. It's like, yeah. You start with a perfect score and they're taking away from you, and you're—you're you're going off other people's opinion. It's one of the only sports where you're judged off opinion. Yes, like that and like figure skating. And, and and I don't know what the score was, but I'm sure they lost by less than, you know, a couple tenths or a couple hundredths of a point. And it's like the, the six teams that make nationals or the eight teams that make nationals, whatever the number is for gymnastics, like they are the most elite programs in the country. And, and they all – and they come so close within each other of winning a national championship that it's it's like – it's almost like they all tie for winning a national championship, but one has to – because – it's a win-lose thing. Someone's got to be the national champion. But saying that you can't celebrate this and you can't put up a billboard for coming in second is just wrong. And also, if I think you gave Darren Ravel one entire year to train for gymnastics, he couldn't even do a cartwheel correctly. <laughs> like, I mean, this guy just doesn't even know what he's talking about. I mean, good for them for coming in second. But Darren Ravel just like, I don't know. That that this bothered me, and I'm sure it bothered many other people. Tweet us your opinions. What you think at Ji Stafford eighteen at Wm underscore Galloway was Darren Ravel. Um, what are your thoughts on him tweeting? No, you can't put up a billboard for coming in second. <coughs> Someone pointed out on Twitter he got gold. He got his marathon oh, shoes oh, oh, oh. gold pleated, I think, and they came in a box like right after he sent out this tweet. And someone found his place, and it was like. 20,000 something. I think it was like around like 21,000. In the Chicago Marathon, and he got gold pleated <laughs> shoes. Which I understand a marathon is completely different. Like we were saying, gymnastics is its kind of own exception and its own so, little because yeah, so scoring category. But a uh, marathon's different too because it's an individual feat, and I understand he wanted to, you know, recognize himself. But if you run a marathon and you, you gold pleat your Nike shoes, that's a little self-righteous. Yeah, and also it cannot be cheap. Like, not every... Yeah, he's got more than enough money, but, I mean, come on, man. You're going to bash someone for coming in second? And, oh, by the way, in three hours I'm going to publicize on my Instagram story that I got gold-pleated shoes from my finish in the Chicago Marathon. Yeah. Get I mean, all the way out. Get... Go, go... No. Nah. No. I'm done with this. Darren Ravel, I'm done. I'm done. Um... Elsewhere in the world of sports, wrapping up the Galloway podcast here, Joe Oliva stepped down uh, from being LSU athletic director last week. Um, geez, what a mess that was. The whole reinstatement of Will Wade and then yeah. the LSU trustees say, yeah, you're gone. I don't um, know. It was just – I just feel like there was a lot of controversy bringing him back and a lot of – it's more outside pressure of being like, you know – probably shouldn't do that in the AD doing it. And I, I really didn't pay that much attention to it. I just know that it happened, pretty much why it happened, and who they re- replaced him with. 
He, uh, yeah, so the new LSU athletic director, Scott Woodward, uh, who I believe is an LSU grad, he's coming from Texas A&M where he hired recently Buzz Williams. Uh, he hired Buzz. That was a great hire, yeah, by I the love way. Buzz. Texas A&M is going to be deep next year. Um, and, of course, the football hire. I mean. Uh, boy Jimbo? Jimbo. You can't deny that that was just Fantastic! It's going to pay off here in a couple of years, um, and yeah. So Scott Woodward in as LSU athletic director, but that whole situation with Will Wade is just swampy, if you will. <laughs> I mean, that phone call is just too perfect. He literally gave. Oh, he, what, what was? What did he say? He's like, I gave him like a great effing offer or whatever <laughs> just not uh, literally just admitted to it over the yeah, phone over the phone we got wiretapped and LSU was like well that's not convincing evidence let's let's hold on to don't hold on to him release your coach I mean it's just stupid um elsewhere Alabama men's golf won the 2019 Shoal Creek Invitational uh Alabama men's golf has been um since I think it was Davis Riley decided to go pro uh over it was over the Christmas break I believe he played in the fall and then uh, came back. No, decided to go pro. Something like that. Alabama men's golf is, is not quite as uh, in the position that they were last year, but it was a big win for them to win their tournament at Shoal Creek. Uh, Wilson Fur won medalist honors for the first time for Alabama. Shout, so that was really big. Shout out Mississippi. Mississippi native right there. Um, the, yeah, the Alabama men's golf team is number 24, which is which is very respectable, and they're, they're playing well, but they've certainly are not where they were last year due to some guys turning pro and yeah. some seniors graduating that they relied on heavily last year. Um, so that's Alabama men's golf update. Montana Fouts for Alabama softball returned against Georgia two weekends ago. That was absolutely obnoxious. Yeah, those were – no, those pipes were sick, dude. <laughs> but I think I might go get my car – Renovated and get pipes like this. Gonna have to get you some straight pipes. <laughs> straight pipes. You gonna throw you on a light bar? And uh, yeah, I'm gonna go get me one of those. Okay, I'm so sorry. Montana Fouts. I heard him from two blocks away. <laughs> this is dumb. This is getting out of hand. We should slash his tires. Yeah. Just kidding. We shouldn't do that. That's not okay. Um, Montana Fouts returned for Alabama softball. Let's try this a third time. Mm-hmm. Two weekends ago, um, in her first at-game action uh, since March 24th, she threw four shutout innings, uh, and she has since played more for Alabama. Alabama, um, you know, in all their weekend series, she got some more experience. This weekend in Florida, the softball team swept uh, number five Alabama, swept number six Florida on the road. That was the first sweep they've had in Gainesville since 2008. Oh, that's big One, time. I believe. And so softball program is, is up there. I heard it, it said that some of the coaches at Alabama think that this, and fans as well, think this team is more talented than the team that uh, won it all in 2012. So a lot of good things going for the Alabama men, uh, excuse me, Alabama softball team. Um, and that is really, oh, oh, last thing here. All right. My worst tweet of all time. Are you ready for this? Oh, yeah. I'm sure plenty of you, if you follow me on Twitter, have seen uh, my horrendous take that I tweeted uh, last Monday night. Oh, a week ago. The the one-week anniversary of my just awful tweet. Um, I said, I was watching the Warriors, and I was watching them play the Clippers in, the, in game two. 
where the Clippers came back and won. Uh, but I'm watching in the second quarter, right? The Warriors are playing unbelievable, shooting lights out, moving the ball tremendously well. And I'm like, okay, I said, I said the following. I know they're playing the Clippers, but the Warriors look unbeatable right now, period. So much fun to watch, period. And that was my tweet. And that was at 10.52 Central Time. And probably an hour and a half, two hours later, the Clippers mounted a 31-point comeback. I went to bed, turned the TV off after the Warriors went up 23 at half. Went to bed. I was like, I can, you know, I was my head hits the pillow every night. I'm like, I can, I can live with my tweets. I can yeah. live with what I, what I put out there. And uh, I woke up, checked my phone, and uh, said Clippers won 135, 131. Let's go. And I said, hold on, no, really? The Warriors were up 23, and I quickly learned that they got up 31. Then I decided to go to Twitter, and notifications. Literally backed up all the way to University Boulevard um, as freezing cold takes found my tweet. Someone tagged in it, and they retweeted it, and uh, it just kind of took off like a wildfire. And I walked around with my head down for the entire day because that was super embarrassing. Well, while you may have been very sad, I feel like 99% of the country was very happy because the Warriors are evil, and uh, Patrick Beverly, Patrick, uh, the old little Patrick Beverly is single-handedly destroying the Warriors. He's he's going, he like creeped into like Kevin Durant's ears and like went Ant-Man size and is just picking his brain apart, literally. Oh, he's just paying rent in Katie's head and Katie's oh, yeah. just, gets rattled too easily. So KD having another source of income, uh, having Patrick Beverly pay rent inside his head and so that's, uh, that's fun to keep up with. And I woke up and I tweeted, I said, good morning to this tweet. I turned the game off at halftime. Uh, and then Kanye's famous tweet from... <laughs> Uh, May 1st, 2018, last year, where he said, once again, I'm being attacked for presenting new ideas. <laughs> I put an opinion out there, and it was wrong. It was. It could not have been more wrong, honestly. Using the word unbeatable was... was That was just where you messed up. Uh, that's kind of where I went wrong, but, you know, that's, that's whatever. Also, uh, Barstool Big Cat on April 15th from the uh, Brooklyn Nets versus Philadelphia Sixers game tweeted the video of uh, Kevin Harlan calling uh, the game, I think it was a block, and he said, free Frosty. It was one of the greatest calls. See if we can play it here. (laughs) Kevin Harlan just running the show. So I think what the deal was, if a player missed consecutive free throws or something like that, everybody that presented their ticket at their local Philadelphia Wendy's uh, got a free Frosty. And it kind of reminded me of in semi-pro when uh, Jackie Moon, they had to hit, I think, 120 points or 100 points, something like that. And the whole crowd got free corn dogs. And Jackie (laughs) tried to stop them. It just reminded me of that. And everybody's just like, Free Frosties, free corn dogs. I don't know. I thought it was really Okay, funny. so that might have been the reference there, but uh, Kevin Harlan, one of the greats, you know, call, ma- making a free Frosty sound like it had, someone had won the Super Bowl <laughs> was, uh, was wonderful as the trash truck makes its way behind our house, appropriately ending the Callaway podcast, episode 14. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to be here, and... Uh, also, congratulations for being on TV, uh, talking about the softball assistant coach. That was big. Uh, thank you. Yes, I had a cool story. Talking about Allison Habits, um, the assistant softball coach, she grew up playing baseball. 
and in Lafayette, Louisiana, went to Southern Louisiana, which is now Louisiana Lafayette, met Patrick Murphy, um, just kind of giving a a brief synopsis here, and learned about the game of softball because she grew up up playing baseball and uh, learned what softball was and now has established herself as one of the greatest assistant coaches in all of the NCAA. And I think I saw... So thank you for for that. It was really fun to tell her story. Oh, yeah. I think I saw a reply that said... She's related to Tommy Lasorda somehow. Yeah, like the she Dodgers she met manager. him when she was she was younger, uh, I think ten or something like that. And then maybe he was she asked him to be his godfather, and he said ah, yes, that's or something something like that. Uh, but yeah, that was a really cool story to tell. Um, as appropriate as Alabama softball, it aired on Thursday when, and then they went into Gainesville and won two on Friday, one on Saturday, came back, and uh, they're just rolling right now. So that was a really cool story. Appreciate the shout out there. Um, yeah, so this is uh, this has been episode fourteen of the Galloway podcast. We had a lot of fun today. Oh yeah, it was if great. You're, if you're still here, if you're one of the the few that is uh, still hanging with us, we thank you for uh, listening, getting to end, talking about a couple different Twitter questions. Alabama quarterbacks, who's our favorite wrestler? Where's trending going? Did Tiger Woods complete the greatest sports comeback of all time? We talked about James Beetle Bolden coming to Alabama. Uh, a prediction on the starting five and a little Alabama basketball talk, as always, on the Galloway podcast. Uh, broke down the Masters, talked about Tiger and the greatness that he showed two weekends ago in Augusta. And uh, Lightning McQueen, he, uh, we have decided that Lightning McQueen would have life insurance, and that is final because that was issued by the Galloway podcast. So uh, congratulations, Lightning McQueen, um, on getting a life insurance policy. Yeah, who would, who would he have a policy with, though? Nationwide? Aflac? I think Nationwide, because isn't Nationwide a major sponsor of NASCAR? Maybe. I'm not know. too in touch with my NASCAR sponsors. Yeah, let's just go ahead and say Nationwide, because they're, they're always on your side. And they they signed Peyton Manning. I mean, they've signed all the, the greatest athletes. They yeah. would definitely sign Lightning McQueen. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. There's no doubt. Um... We compared biscuits and decided that the best biscuit in the world is served at uh, Jack's. Jack's, go check it out. The not greatest, a, the greatest regional fast food spot of all time. This is not an ad, and uh, yeah, they do follow me on Twitter though, which is pretty neat. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. That that I want to hear that story sometime. <laughs> uh, we talked about Darren Ravel's tweet towards LSU <coughs> gymnastics, and. Uh, this is this podcast has just been completely homegrown. Talked about my worst tweet of all time. Joe Oliva steps down as LSU AD. Insert quotes. Steps down. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then a little Alabama softball, Alabama men's golf update. This is episode fourteen of the Galloway Podcast. Thanks again, John Isaac. Oh, really yeah. enjoyed it. Thanks. Thanks for having me, and I'd love to do it again. Yeah, I would. You, this will definitely be a reoccurrence. Uh, Hope you guys enjoy the closing song. Hope you have a great week. And uh, roll tide, as always. Thanks again for listening. You can tweet us at Stafford 18 at WM underscore Galloway. Any thoughts, questions, concerns? And uh, this is the Galloway Podcast, where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Do you week. recall not long ago we